This is WLRN News. I'm Sammy Mack. For most of the past decade, if a child or teenager got shot in Miami-Dade County, they would be taken to one place, the Ryder Trauma Center at Jackson Memorial Hospital. In that time period, more than 850 kids were admitted to Ryder for gunshot wounds. If young victims of gun violence make it to the trauma center, they have close to 9 in 10 odds of surviving. And this is pretty much the hot zone for trauma. Luis DeRosa is a trauma nurse at Ryder. And this is why the United, United States Army trains with us. This is why residents from all over the country, from, even from international areas out of the country, come and train with us just because of our penetrating injury. That's right. DeRosa and his colleagues treat so many gunshot wounds that the U.S. Army sends medical staff to train with them before deploying to combat zones. On a Friday night, DeRosa showed me around the trauma center and let me see what his team does to keep kids alive. Here at Ryder, there's five trauma bays, and then we have one designated just for kids. What is that that we're smelling? Probably dried up blood. Then when it's cleaned with all the, all the products we have, it just leaves this kind of smell. It's, we kind of joke around here, some of the trauma are saying that's like the smell of death sometimes, you know, because it does happen here. But, you know, really that's our enemy, you know, because we want to prevent that from happening. The trauma bays are equipped with ultrasound units to search for internal bleeding. There's a portable x-ray machine. DeRosa shows me toolkits that look like fishing tackle boxes, only they're full of tubes and scalpels and clamps. Each room is equipped with a heater. Because cold trauma patients, they have a tendency to bleed more. All of this to increase the odds of getting a patient out of this room alive. DeRosa brings me upstairs to the rooftop where the sun is just starting to set over the helipad. And it's a beautiful day outside. I wish I was at the beach. DeRosa can pretty easily tell the difference between the small caliber bullet of a handgun. Small wounds. And the gunshot wound injuries from assault rifles. Bones are broken. I mean, these bullets go right through them and just shred everything. We're not on the roof long before DeRosa gets a call. There's multiple gunshot wounds to the chest coming right now. We rush to the elevator. It's the 6.30 special, or the 6 o'clock special is what we call it. (laughs) Right before I change the shift. So it looks like I'll be be coming home late tonight. EMTs are wheeling a young man. He looks late teens, early 20s. They're wheeling him into the trauma bay DeRosa was just showing off. They have minutes to save him, and the clock starts now. Bags of replacement blood are already hanging from silver hooks in preparation for his arrival. A tense ballet of nurses, doctors, and techs swirls around him. Someone cuts off his clothes. Blood pools and gurgles around a couple of holes in his chest. The heater is on. DeRosa knows that while this is a normal part of the job for him, it's not normal. And then you go home to your kids, your wife and kids, and you're like, and you know, she asks you, hey, how was your day? You know, I, I, don't want to ask, I don't want to tell her the truth. I just say, you know, it was good. It was fine. It was, it was a good shift. can't say, oh, you know, I took care of a 13-month-old because, you know, there was a drive-by and his grandfather was holding him and he got shot in the head. Back in the trauma bay, patient Bravo, they don't use names until later in the process, appears to slip in and out of consciousness. And then he's just out. He's been here a minute and 30 seconds. Even if he survives his gunshot wounds, there's a high risk of mental trauma. I've worked with some patients that were shot, for example, riding their bicycle outside, and they said they will never want to ride a bike again. Dr. Melissa Oliva is a pediatric psychologist who works at Jackson. In 2002, there was a study out of the pediatric department at the Baylor School of Medicine in Texas that looked at the risk of developing post-traumatic stress disorder after a traumatic injury. Half of the kids with gunshot wounds developed PTSD. 
Aliva says it's especially dangerous when kids leave the hospital with severe long-term injuries. I would say when somebody is not able to go back to their regular lives, especially because of a physical disability or deformity that they now have because of this traumatic experience, there's much more higher risks of depression and anxiety and post-traumatic stress, particularly in that population. And I've had patients even become suicidal. A couple of years ago, Jackson instituted a policy that pediatric gunshot victims automatically get a consult from someone in behavioral health like Oliva. The social worker on duty tonight is Carlene McKenzie. She says it can be hard to make a connection with young victims. You know, sometimes when they come in, they don't have any affect. And, you know, you talk to them, sometimes they can be rude. And so they think it's just a joke. They don't take it serious. So, you know, what do you say to somebody like that? I mean, you can talk to them and, you know, ask them, but half of the time they won't speak to you. Three minutes. Patient Bravo is now naked, except for his two black socks and the tubes snaking in and out of his arms and chest. Jaziel Marrero is an orthopedic technician at Jackson. He also points out that surviving the trauma unit doesn't always mean a patient is out of the woods. If they are fortunate enough to get discharged and go back home to their caregivers, they're going to be put in the same environment, in the same area, right? And especially if it was like an act of, of, of violence, like a personal act, then it, just because they got discharged doesn't mean that, oh, that's clear, that, that cycle's broken, you know? There's going to be revenge, there's going to be someone else that's going to get shot. It becomes like this perpetual thing. You might not expect it, he says, but gunshot wound patients and their family's first response is often a cold rage. I remember one time we had a patient, her son came in, shot. I think he was like 17 years old. Unfortunately, he, he expired. Um, and when they told her the news, her reaction was, and I quote her, she said, don't worry, doc, I'm going to bring you another patient. In other words, she wanted revenge. It's not an uncommon response. A few years ago, researchers looked at the mental health of teenagers who were exposed to violence in Chicago. The analysis showed that at least two and a half years after experiencing gun violence, young people were still at risk of externalizing trauma in the form of increased aggression. They get angry and they stay angry. Four minutes, and patient Bravo is still unconscious. The people working to keep him alive may never know how he got here or what'll happen to him if he makes it out. And that can be hard, says Nurse Daniel Aguiar. This is a result. This place is a place of results. So you don't get much solutions working in a place like this. Um, you get a lot of questions of why, you know, why does this continue? Why do 15-year-olds have guns? Um, why do 15-year-olds, you know, join these gangs and, and are involved in drugs? Aside from his job here, Aguiar volunteers with a group of teenagers who've had weapons convictions. He'd rather these patients never come to him at all. Five minutes, and it's been touch and go with patient Bravo. But now he's stable enough to be wheeled back to an operating room. So we have a gunshot wound in the left flank, the left chest. The right flank. Again, Nurse Luis DeRosa. It was what we call circling the drain or, or crashing, but we prevented that by highly invasive stuff like put a breathing tube, put chest tubes in his chest, give him blood. Call the OR, somebody. They could resuscitate him and, you know, make sure he leaves the operating room with a good blood pressure and a good pulse. He'll go to the trauma ICU, and then if he lives through that, doesn't get any bad infections, he'll go to the third floor, which is rehab floor, and then he'll leave and go on with his life and 
hopefully visit us not as a patient but as a survivor. And we did it all within six minutes. Six minutes. You just heard it in real time. By the time it's over, the floor is splattered in blood and littered with used latex gloves and syringe wrappers. Time is precious and the staff don't waste it finding a garbage can. That job falls to Wendell Roden, one of the janitors. The first thing I always do, I look for the sharp, like the needles, make sure no needles on the floor because sometimes it can stick you, and then they start piling up all the trash, then they mop the floor, they wipe down anything that's messy with blood, and then that's it. As quickly as this room was turned upside down, Roden has it cleaned. You would never know someone was on the verge of death here just minutes ago. The only thing I fear is like when the patient come, I just pray to God, it's not my family. That's it. Patient Bravo becomes one of the survivors, making it out of the trauma bay, through the operating room, and off to another part of the hospital. For the people who work here, it's on to the next trauma. You can find the whole WLRN special series, Young Survivors, The Unspoken Trauma of Gun Violence, at our website, wlrn.org slash young survivors. This is WLRN News. I'm Sammy Mack.